welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzee. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So NetHealth wants to talk about something important, patients and their outcomes, specifically how great it is when your whole practice is rallied around a solid outcomes management program. And to help you with that program, they have teamed up with Photo, which is focused on therapeutic outcomes, for the Clinical Outcomes Summit, October 23rd to the 25th in Knoxville, Tennessee. You'll hear success stories and case studies from your peers about leveraging outcomes data for deep patient engagement, thoughtful business practices, clinician education, optimizing revenue, and more. There will also be motivating and inspiring keynote speakers, including my good friend Michelle Colley from Performance PT and Daniel Lord from Crossover Health. And all of you healthy, wealthy, and smart podcast listeners get a steep discount by using the registration discount code LITZY. The full summit pass is only $150. So go to www.outcomesnerd.com to register, learn more, and check out the agenda. Now on to today's episode. Dr. Jenna Cantor is back, and today she is interviewing Dr. Lynn Rivers. Dr. Rivers has 25 years' experience as a clinician and 20 years as an educator in higher education. Her clinical experience has focused on adults with neurological disorders and traumatic injuries, such as head injury and spinal cord injury, while working at a level one trauma center. Before becoming chairperson of the department in 2001, Dr. Rivers was clinical director of education for the physical therapy program. Dr. Rivers is currently the speaker of the assembly for the New York Physical Therapy Association and sits on the board of directors for the NYPTA. Jenna, as we all know, is a physical therapist here in New York City. So today they talk about what are Robert's rules and how debate is conducted at the House of Delegates, different ways to collect votes from the delegates, point of order, point of inquiry, and point of information, and can a guest speak during the meeting? So if you are at all interested in being part of House of Delegates of the APTA, this is going to be a great uh, episode for you because you'll be able to get an inside look, a little sneak peek at what happens in the House of Delegates and hopefully makes you want to join. Hello and good morning. This is Jenna Cantor. I'm here with Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, and I get to interview Lynn Rivers, who knows so much about Robert's Rules. Okay, Robert's Rules, you know, I'm going to actually hand over the mic because uh, then I, c- I can already imagine me describing it and Lynn going, well, not exactly. So would you mind first just defining what Robert's Rules is and where it is imp- applied within the APTA? Sure. Well, good morning, Jenna. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to share just about 28 years that I have sort of gotten myself involved and love Robert's Rules of Order. So what is Robert's Rules of Order? It goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. It is the the philosophy and the construct of how do organizations any organization, whether it's a small church board or it's Congress or it's Parliament in England, how does a civil society with lots of divergent opinions, how do we conduct our business? 
so that there are two principles that are met. And the two principles are that the will of the majority will rule, but we must protect the rights of the minority. So it is for the voices of everyone in whatever society, whatever group, whatever meeting, that every opinion gets heard and heard with respect and that there is civility so that when very strong, strong opinions can equally be heard, both sides of the debate can be heard, but there is civility and respect. And then when the decision is reached, that the minority will agree that the will of the majority will rule. So that those are the two principles. So then the rules, holy smokes, there's, you know, there, I'm sure if people have looked into it, uh, the 11th edition is 800 pages long, and there are so many minutiae rules. But the bottom line is that the rules uh, guide how people make decisions about how what gets heard and how we make choices. So there are just the word motions is a tenant of Robert's Rules of Order. So what is a motion? A motion is just an ask. It is an idea that someone has that they want the society, the group, the organization to do. I want to ask that we pursue buying a piece of property or I want or in the APTA it's I want my APTA to look into this or work on this legislation create a document for us to help us right it's an ask and then there's a way to make the ask and uh, so they give guidelines on how you make the ask and then there are rules of then how do people debate so you have to write out your ask. It becomes a motion. Uh, and then it's agreed during the meeting. It will be, they call it lay it on the table, but it just means say it, right? <laughs> Make the ask for the whole body to hear. And then there is the leader of the meeting who is neutral and just trying to facilitate the discussion. And they have different titles. Uh, and so um, then the... Everyone respectfully just raises their hand or makes a motion. They have to be recognized to speak. And then when you speak to the motion, there are just rules of civility, meaning respect, that you aren't shouting, that you are just speaking to the facilitator of the meeting, and you are making your case, but you tend not to speak only about the motion, not who made the motion, and don't speak ill of any other opinion. You just state your own opinion. And the debate goes back and forth, and then there's a vote. Actually, could we go on this a little bit more with the ask and and how a person... Because there's some things in this that I think is so fantastic with the, the civility that you are discussing. And you guys, anybody listening, all you all you new grads, anybody who hasn't done House of Delegates or been to any of these type of meetings before, you know how easy it is for things to get heated when it's a t- when it's a touchy subject. And of course, within physical therapy, we're extremely passionate about what we do. So those issues can get personal very easily. So would you mind going into the the process of 
of who is actually getting the eye contact when you are standing up to speak about something and say it might be something you are quite passionate about. You haven't written out exactly what you want to say. Who do you make eye contact with? Um, and how do you address or refer to somebody who may have spoken before? Like how is, would you mind giving an example of that so people can get a better idea of how important and valuable it is to keep this going? Be glad to, Jenna. So I'm, I'm just going to think back uh, to the most recent house. Uh, and um, we were uh, talking about uh, the F American Physical Therapy Association taking a stance uh, against firearm violence. Uh, and there are some very passionate opinions in the room. So what will happen is in order to not hurt feelings or offend anyone, what happens is that the individual who wants to now speak passionately against the APTA taking any kind of social stance, they make direct eye contact face forward. The room is full of 400 people. Uh, face forward, you are looking directly at the Speaker of the House, which is the title of the individual who's standing up in the front, who has recognized you to speak, and you say, Madam Speaker, I, I would like to speak vehemently against this. I respectfully disagree with the previous speaker from Oregon who made this claim, and I disagree with that. So you don't say, I think Henry is an idiot. Uh, you say, I respectfully disagree, and you speak about people in the third person. And that it's amazing how that sort of takes the emotion out. You can be emotional. You can feel passionate about your stance. And you could be angry about the thought of an action being taken. But you are looking at the neutral speaker of the assembly, and you are referring only in the third person to previous speakers or uh, to a speaker from another state. Uh, and it is amazing how that can really de-escalate the emotion. And then for such a very important debate, in which I'd like to say that, you know, it's it's nice that there's an opportunity for every single motion to be debated on. So whether or not you think it's important, it still doesn't obliterate the, the opportunity for other people to debate on that, which I think is wonderful as well. But of course, these things can go on forever. So how is it handled to end, you know, as a group, because you have a group of 400 people, you know, for us with at the House of Delegates. So how is it handled, you know, to, to rightfully decide when it's appropriate to stop the discussion and move on to a vote? And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Let's talk about something important. Patients and their outcomes. If you love to nerd out on this kind of talk like I do, the best industry event around outcomes management is happening from October 23rd to the 25th, and it's the Clinical Outcomes Summit. It's hosted by Photo, but it's not just for photo clients. It's a gathering of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive change for patients, clinicians, practices, and payers. And the best part, healthy, wealthy, and smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration. The full summit pass is only $150. At that rate, go ahead and bring your entire team. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY. That's L-I-T-Z-Y. Hope to see you there. 
Yes. So again, what happens is, you know, people have raised their hand or we do it electronically now in the House of Delegates with a BlackBerry. You can put yourself what they call in the queue. So you're in line to speak. And so the speaker will monitor and you must indicate to the speaker whether you're speaking for it or against it. So they try to balance debate. And at times, after a bit of discussion, the speaker will say, at this time, there appears to be no one who is in line or in the queue to speak. Are you ready for the vote? Other times, the speaker, we do have an opportunity, and in Robert's rules, there is a motion to what is called call the previous question. And all that means is that person has put in a motion to say, I think I've heard enough. I have heard both sides of the debate. I am ready to vote. And so then if the Speaker of the House, the leader of the meeting, observes that there are many people who think it's time to vote, then he or she will ask the body, the group of people at the meeting, are you ready for the vote? And if there's no objection, then you move to the vote. So it can either be everyone has stopped talking or there has been a lot of balanced debate hearing both sides of the story and enough people have spoken that the group feels they can make a vote. I also saw in the meeting, and we're not going to hit all 800 pages of the book, but I'm just I'm just pointing out some interesting things. Sometimes the voting switch between standing, between saying I, and and uh, and then also the electronic vote via the ARS device. So how does the in this case the Speaker of the House who was running the meeting, how does the Speaker of the House decide w- which way to do the vote? Yes, so certainly um, what happens is each organization has also something that's called the standing rules. So you set rules at the beginning of the meeting, and one of the key rules you decide is how much agreement does there have to be in order to pass that motion to say it's going to go. So for normal business, the actions of the House, we agree in in the House of Delegates a simple majority. So 51, just over 50%, 51% of the group. So the default or easiest for 404 was our voting strength yesterday. Uh, the, the speaker starts with a voice vote. All those in favor say aye. So she listens to the volume of the ayes compared to the volume of the nose. And many times it's very clear. If 300 people say aye and 100 say no, then it's pretty clear by voice. And that's the simplest and quickest. If, uh, if she, it's still a vote for simple majority and it, she couldn't tell by the voices, then we have to uh, use the electronic voting like Kahoot. You know, <laughs> everybody has their clicker and they vote yay or nay and it comes up. Uh, the standing vote is typically done when there is a vote that is more precious than just a normal business action. It's any vote that is going to to hurt the rights of members. And I'll give the example. Then, if you need to know if two-thirds, if two-thirds of the people agree, many times the speaker will do a standing vote because that is much easier to see two-thirds clear by standing. And that is when there is an objection to calling the question, meaning stopping debate. Uh, 
and because that is a right of the minority to continue to be heard, that is when the speaker calls for a standing vote. And, and then there was one time, even in the standing vote, she was not 100% sure it was two-thirds. So she had us sit back down and do the clickers. Uh, this is great. So, you know, it's so funny. Earlier, you mentioned the word Henry, and now I'm thinking of the oh, Henry bar, the candy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, what, is, what do these conferences do to me? I'm like, <laughs> I need sugar all the time to like stay awake. Um, could we get into some of the language? Just the intro that people say, where they say parliamentary inquiry. Right. Like, why do we say that instead of something else? Does it make it more efficient and how? Yes. So, so again, um, there there is a protocol uh, to how one introduces a motion, and and one of the first, again, for civility, is whenever you are recognized to speak, you start by introducing yourself, so speakers know who you are. We also ask them to state what component they are from, component or state. Uh, so I'm Lynn Rivers from New York, would be how I would start. Uh, but uh, but the, there are three, uh, and you must be recognized in order to speak. There are three instances uh, when someone can shout out and not wait to be recognized. Point of order, point of inquiry, and point of information. Point of order, they, there is shouted out, and you are allowed to shout it out if you believe what is happening right now is not following Robert's Rules of Order. We are not doing it correctly, and we believe that we have to ask the speaker. that. So if someone shouts out point of order, all debate stops immediately, and the speaker says, state your point, and that person comes up to the mic and says, speaker, I believe it is not in order for this motion to be heard, and there is a reason why. It, it, we did not have due notice before this motion came. I don't think it's right that we are hearing it. And then they would confer and decide whether th that member is correct or the speaker rules, no, I do believe it's in order. Point, and I'm, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Point of inquiry or point of information are very similar. There is no real difference between that. Um, a point of inquiry is sometimes said because people are, are really wanting data and facts. Uh, point of information, people tend to say they just have a question. They don't really understand why the makers of the motion wrote it this way. They don't really understand the intent of the motion. So they are asking a question to better understand the motion. Point of inquiry is just a little more precise. If they want to, if, if someone wants to ask someone else other than the maker of the motions, they understand the motion. But their point of inquiry is, we'd like to hear from legal counsel, is what the maker of the motion asking us to do, is that legal in all 50 states? So then the speaker will say, is there an objection? Does anyone object to legal counsel addressing the body and answering this person's inquiry? Right? Yes, yes. That honestly makes more sense for me now listening to that because there was a, a motion on creating a, virtu a virtual historical museum and there was a lot of point of inquiries right. 
to the board right. to find out how much work would this be putting on them? Would this be possible for them right. to take on? And also, um, what would the game plan, where would the financial resources come from? What will we be taking away from? So that makes even more sense. And, and it's also a respectful way to be like, it's just clarification. It's not going to be an attack. We just have a question to like know what this means. And of course, it's it's pointed in a, in a, in a very pro, uh, professional way, just saying we really just need to know to get the full picture on if this is good, a good thing to vote on. So, ah, I'm getting some massive light bulbs here right now. And then I think I want to finish with one more. Well, the Lord knows we could go on forever with Robert's rules. And and honestly, if I, I really do recommend, yes, it's an 800-page book, but if you're interested in it, read it. Why not? Well, and I'm going to say the caveat, please don't start with that book because oh, oh, you will oh. you will run away screaming. So, uh, But please know, and you, you can just Google it, uh, oh. Robert's Rules for Dummies is one version. There are about four levels of books. There's Robert's Rules Simplified, right? So Google Robert's Rules and look at the different books and start with the first one. And then move up to the next one that gets a little deeper into it. If you really think you want to fully understand it, you want to become, join, be a member of the National Parliamentary Society, that's when you buy the 11th edition of Robert's Rules, <laughs> newly revised, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. And see, this is a perfect example why I bring the expert on to help correct me as I'm going, why don't we just do this? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, helping prevent people from walking away and pulling their hair out trying to read it, going, oh, I give up. So that's good. I've, I love those dummy books. Yeah. Those are amazing. Really? I guess what I just want to say is the dummy books are always, not always helpful, right? But I can assure you for Robert's Rules, uh, that book is a great start. If you just want to be able to be a voice at a meeting, not necessarily run one yet, you know, you just want, you want to write a motion. You want to get up and state your opinion and don't want to look foolish. Start with Robert's Rules of Order for Dummies. Love it, love it. Oh, I'm forgetting what my last... Oh, yes. So... At, for those who don't know, so at the House of Delegates, I, I'm not sure if this is elsewhere, so you can definitely clarify this, Lynn. So at the House of Delegates, all the people who are elected delegates sit in, um, I, I want to say, an organized clump with their states and everything, but then there can be guests attending the event, and they are sitting in the gallery, in the gallery in the back, and these are it's a separated clump in the back of the room. Is it true that they can come up and say point of order or speak to a motion or ask a question and so on in uh, following Robert's rules and when or how, if that is appropriate, is it appropriate? I said that kind of weird. <laughs> no, that's a good question. And the short answer is no. A guest in the gallery does not have the right to state point of order, point of information. They cannot shut out. But with the permission of the group, permission has to be asked, can a guest speak? So guests can be invited to speak. Mm -hmm. A guest in the gallery can ask a member of the group to request permission for them to speak. So, so there's two things. There may be a member in the audience that knows there's a lawyer 
in the in the audi in the audience or in the gallery, and they may initiate the request. But the lawyer may be sitting there antsy, thinking, "I have something to contribute." They're a guest in the gallery. They are allowed to walk up to a member and say, "Would you ask the Speaker of the House?" to request permission for me to speak because I have something to say. And almost always the body would say yes. If someone really wants to speak, I've never seen a guest be denied, but there must be permission given. Thank you. That's very helpful. Well, me as a performer first, I see this mic sitting in front of us that's clearly not pointing to the people, you know, anybody sitting in amongst the delegates. And I remember staring and going, I mean, do they want us to sing? Like, what is what is this opportunity this mic beholdeth on us? <laughs> so, no, thank you so much for clarifying. Um, but thank you. Lynn, thank you so much for coming on and, and clarifying, just even giving people a, a little glimpse of what Robert's Rules is and just really learning how valuable it is. I think this will be such a good thing for so many people, even experienced physical therapists, to really know more of and understand what goes on behind the scenes and why we are following such rules. I'm new to this, but honestly, I really do believe in them because it is not easy to have these hard discussions in a nice manner. You don't want to leave pissed off. You want to leave like, okay, that was fair. That was a discussion. I can see why we might be moving a little slowly on this matter or why we might move quickly on this matter. It, it, it was, it was really, it, it was, it was eye-opening in a very positive way. So I was wondering, Lynn, if people wanted to reach out to you or find you to learn more or maybe even get more guidance if they start finding themselves passionate about getting much more involved in this whole parliamentary process, how could they find you? Thanks, Jenna. Well, I'm in Buffalo, New York at Juvel College, and I am happy to share my email. It is my last name, first initial, Rivers L, R-I-V-E-R-S-L, at dyc.edu. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. A big thank you to Drs. Jenna Cantor and Lynn Rivers for a great discussion on how House of Delegates works and how they debate things in the House, so thank you so much. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, NetHealth. So NetHealth is teaming up with Photo, which is focused on therapeutic outcomes, for the Clinical Outcomes Summit, October 23rd to the 25th in Knoxville, Tennessee. Like I said, it's hosted by Photo, but it's not just for Photo clients. It's a gathering of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive change for patients, clinicians, practices, and payers. And of course, you'll hear success stories and case studies. Plus, there will be motivating and inspiring keynote speakers, including my good friend Michelle Cauley from Performance PT and Daniel Lord from Crossover Health. Plus, healthy, wealthy, and smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration by using the discount code LITZY. Get the full Summit Pass for only $150. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com to register, learn more, and check out the agenda. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.